Talk Back Matters from the Salvos. It's very clear. Our love is here to stay. Not for all year, but ever and a day. In the light of Osama bin Laden's death this year, we've been looking a bit closer into Islam. Dr Stuart Robinson is a leading world authority on Islam. His research started in 1968. He lived in a predominantly Muslim country in South Asia for a number of years, adopted their culture, and he brings us deep insights into Islam and its agenda through his book Mosques and Miracles. Stuart, if you could become the advisor to Obama, what direction would you suggest that he takes in uh, battling terrorism? Well, uh, that is uh, a good question. Um, it's not just battling terrorism, it's battling uh, the Islamization of his own nation. Um, and of course, that's what's happening at various levels, various degrees in many Western countries at the moment, as Muslims uh, pursue their overtake of the entire world, such as their theology uh, leads them to, to pursue. I guess there's a couple of things I would say to Obama. Uh, firstly, um, get out of Iraq and Afghanistan as quickly as you can. You're never going to win that battle of hearts and minds there because such things as uh, he pursues, like democracy, human rights, all those things, they're not even a part of the Islamic agenda. They're not preferred at all. In fact, they're opposed to those things. There's no such a thing as human rights. There's only Allah's rights. Democracy, of course, they see that as an enemy of Islam. So get out of those countries. And as you get out, you'll start to save a bit of money because the next thing you've got to do is get your country out of debt. It is seriously compromised, the amount of debt which America uh, carries. And that's not just a threat which will arise from communist China, but from the cashed-up uh, funds of uh, certain Muslim countries, particularly in the Middle East and their sovereign world uh, funds. In fact, in the last global financial crisis, places like America, Britain, France went cap-in-hand asking Middle Eastern uh, countries to please invest uh, their sovereign funds in, into these uh, crippled economies. And uh, the, the financial leaders of those countries readily replied, yes, we're happy to do that, providing it is on Islamic terms. And, of course, that brings into play Islamic finance and the way that is now coming into our system. So you've got to do something about getting out of debt so you're not dependent upon that external source. Uh, secondly, uh, I would say he needs to, as much as possible, stop the inflow of Islamic monies. For instance, many of the universities are penetrated by Saudi money and other countries and the effect that's having on the future generations. Uh, fourthly, I would say watch your immigration policies uh, because, again, there are so many uh, statements on record by Muslim leaders saying we are going to take over your countries eventually through uh, the wombs of our good Muslim mothers and the, the higher birth rates that they have, and etc., etc. So these are mega matters that not just Obama, but just about every Western leader needs to be looking at. I was just going to say, because wouldn't that apply for Australia as well with our troops over there? And, you know, I mean, we're doing that, of course, too. Um, perhaps appease America, keep them as an ally uh, for our protection, would you yes. say? Yes, yeah, and and I mean, I, I have read uh, Afghan history over the years, long before uh, coalition forces were in there, and I remember the day they, they 
agreed to go in there and similarly the day they agreed to go into Iraq I thought this is absolutely crazy this is one battle you guys can never ever win either militarily or certainly the battle for the hearts and minds but our problem is that the Western leaders uh, whether they're leaders in politics or religion they have never lived in Islamic countries and so they do not understand the worldview of the Muslim mind it's like when I went to publish my first book, first of three on Islam, Mosque of Miracles, it was rejected by certain well-known um, uh, scholarly informers who told the publishing house, no, 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 don't put that out, Stuart can't possibly be right. Uh, and so I submitted it to four other reviewers. They all had their doctorates. They were very learned people. But they, the difference was they had all worked in Muslim countries. And they said, Stuart is exactly right here. And that dichotomy continues to this day, that uh, our leaders, whether they're religious or political or economic, they don't understand. You have to actually go and live in these societies to understand the mindset. Wow. Is it true the Muslim Brotherhood believe that their laws are good laws and if they could impose them on the world, there'd be peace? Yeah. Uh, you used a great, uh, a great word there, peace. Uh, when one is talking with Muslims, this relates to worldview understand we can be using the same language but we attribute unknowingly to it different meanings so when you say peace you and i think that, that means the absence of hostilities uh, but that is not what a muslim necessarily means by peace yes that can carry that connotation but when he's using it in the context that you use like the application of Sharia law across the world, that will bring peace. That's against the background that Islamic believers uh, say, well, the world is divided into two. There is Darul Islam, that is the house of Islam. There is Darul Hab, that's the house of war, the house of, uh, of, the, uh, of the infidel. And war has to be prosecuted by the house of Islam against the place of the infidel until Islam dominates. That's their... their eschatological expectation and only then will there be peace so a muslim when he says that islam is a religion of peace it is in that sense that islam is going to dominate after a lot of warfare of both internal and external of subjective and objective then there will be peace so the we saw the same thing down here i think in the jailing of what was it nine people for terrorist activities and the police were um, recording the conversations that came out of the court records. Uh, and and when, when one of the um, uh, leaders had been interviewed by the press and, and the reporter asked, uh, Islam wouldn't kill innocent people, would they? And, and, and of course, the, the leader said, no, 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 Islam would never kill innocent people. And, and the, the record of interview indicates that after the report had gone, from the best of my recall of the, the press reports, uh, he, the, the conversation continued in the group, and uh, where one said to the other, well, you got rid of that reporter quickly by answering in that way, uh, because as those guys knew, the reporter didn't know enough to ask, what do you mean by innocent? He made an assumption of, that the reporter knew, but of course what the Muslim fellows were thinking, well, Innocence doesn't really apply to non-Muslim peoples. Of course, it's okay to kill them, was their take on the matter. So we have to carefully define the words and understand the Muslim meanings of those words. And yes, 
the Muslim Brotherhood certainly do believe that uh, Sharia law is best and is best for the whole world, and they would want to prosecute that around the world. So basically, we who aren't Muslims are not innocent. Uh, well, it, it depends on circumstance. You see, in the case of America, where Al Qaeda under um, Osama bin Laden, uh, he gave the invitation to America to become Muslim before he declared war, and that's part of Islamic law that you, you, you have to give the invitation for the persons or the nation or the tribe or whoever it is you're aiming for, you have to invite them to join Islam. Now, these nuances are never picked up by the Western press because they don't understand Islamic theology. And so because uh, America missed that opportunity, therefore war may be declared and none of them are innocent because they, they have been given the opportunity to respond and return to the true path of Islam. So, uh, you know, it, it's a little more complicated than uh, what we would like to believe. Uh, and when, when of course, uh, a war is declared uh, and people are invited to accept Islam, historically, there are only three uh, responses that the, uh, the, the person or the nation requested how how they can respond. They can submit to Islam, that's uh, choice number one, or they can, uh, if they are people of the book, that is Christians or uh, Jews or Zoroastrians, uh, they can choose not to submit, but they can then live in what we call dimitude, that is their personal rights will be seriously compromised. Uh, or the third choice is you submit to the sword and you can be killed. They're the only three options for people who choose not to become Muslims as Islam takes over a nation and, and of course all of those things are well codified. Dr Stuart Robinson, who spent 43 years researching Islam and lived in a predominantly Muslim country in South Asia for a number of years. In all of this, I'm reminded in the Book of Romans how it's written, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a free gift. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine 